Chapter Twelve, Part One of Moonfleet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simon Evers. Moonfleet by J. Mead Faulkner. Chapter Twelve, Part One. A Funeral. How he lies in his rights of a man. Death has done all death can. Browning. We stood for a moment holding one another's hands. Then Ratsey spoke. "'John, these two months have changed thee from boy to man. "'Thou wast a child when I turned that morning "'as we went up Horehead with the pack-horses "'and looked back on thee and Elzevir below, "'a mask you lying on the ground. "'Twas a sorry business, "'and has broken up the finest gang that ever rang a cargo, "'besides driving thee and Elzevir to hiding caves and dens of the earth. "'Thou shouldst have come with us that morn.' not have stayed behind. The work was too rough for boys. The skipper should have piped the reefing hands. It was true enough, or seemed to me true then, for I felt much cast down. But only said, Nay, Master Ratsey, where Master Block stays, there I must stay too, and where he goes, I follow. Then I sat down upon the bed in the corner, feeling my leg began to ache, and the storm, which had lulled for a few minutes, came up again all the fiercer, with wilder gusts and showers of spray and rain driving into the cave from seaward. So I was scarce sat down, when in came a roaring blast, filling even our corner with cold, wet air that quenched the weakling candle-flame. "'God save us! What a night!' Ratsy cried. "'God save poor souls at sea,' said I. "'Amen to that,' says he. "'And would that every amen I have said had come as truly from my heart!' There'll be sea enough on Moonfleet Beach this night to lift a schooner to the top of it and launch her down into the fields behind. I had as lief be in the Mahoon vault as in this fearsome place, and liefer too, if half the tales men tell are true, of faces that may meet one here. For God's sake, let us light a fire, for I caught sight of a store of driftwood before that sickly candle went out. It was some time before we got a fire alight, and even after the flame had caught well hold, the rush of the wind would every now and again blow the smoke into our eyes, or send a shower of sparks dancing through the cave. But by degrees the logs began to glow clear white, and such a cheerful warmth came out as was in itself a solace and remedy for man's afflictions. "'Ah!' said Ratsey, "'I have shrammed with wet and cold and half dead with this baffling wind. "'Tis a blessed thing of fire.' And he unbuttoned his pilot-coat. "'And needful now, if ever!' My soul is very low, lad, for this place has strange memories for me, and I recollect forty years ago, when I was a boy just like thee, old Lander Jordan's gang, and I among them, were in this very cave on such another night. I was new to the trade then, as thou might be, and could not sleep for noise of wind and sea. And in the small hours of an autumn morning, as I lay here, just where we lie now, I heard such wailing cries above the storm, hey, and such shrieks of women as made my blood run cold, and have not yet forgot them. And so I woke the gang, who were all deep asleep as seasoned contrabandiers should be. But though we knew that there were fellow-creatures fighting for their lives in the seething flood beneath us, we could not stir hand or foot to save them, for nothing could be seen for rain and spray, and t'was not till next morning that we learned the Florida had foundered just below, with every soul on board. Aye, 
"'Tis a queer life, and you and Block are in a queer straight now, "'and that is what I came to tell you. See here!' "'And he took out of his pocket an oblong strip of printed paper. "'G.R. Whitehall, 15 May, 1758. "'Whereof it hath been humbly represented to the King "'that on Friday the night of the 16th of April last, "'Thomas Maskew, a Justice of the Peace, "'was most inhumanly murdered at Hawhead,' a lone place in the parish of Children and the county of Dorset, by one Elzevir Block and one John Trenchard, both of the parish of Moonfleet, in the aforesaid county, His Majesty, for the better discovering and bringing to justice these persons, is pleased to promise his most gracious pardon to any of the persons concerned therein, except the persons who actually committed the said murder. And as a further encouragement, a reward of fifty pounds to any person who shall furnish such information as shall lead to the apprehension of the said Elzevir Block, and a reward of twenty pounds to any person who shall furnish such information as shall lead to the apprehension of the said John Trenchard. Such information to be given to me, or to the Governor of His Majesty's Jail in Dorchester. Holderness. There, that's the bill, he said, and a vastly fine piece it is, "'Yet I wish that twas play with other actors. "'Now in Moonfleet there is none that know your hiding-place, "'and not a man nor woman either that would tell if they knew it ten times over. "'But fifty pounds for Elzevir, "'and twenty pounds for an empty pumpkin top like thine, "'is a fair round sum. "'And there are vagabonds about this countryside scurvy enough to try to earn it. "'And some of these have set the excise men on my track, "'with tales of how it is that I know where you lie hid, "'and bring you meat and drink.' So it is that I cannot stir abroad now, no, not even to the church of Sundays, without having some rogue lurking at my heels to watch my movements. And that is why I chose such a night to come hither, knowing these knaves like dry skins, but never thinking that the wind will blow like this. I am come to tell Block that tis not safe for me to be so much in Purbeck, and that I dare no longer bring food or what not, or these man-hounds will scent you out. Your leg is sound again, and tis best to be flitting while you may, "'and there's the Eperon door and Chauvelet to give you welcome on the other side.' "'I told him how Elzevir was gone this very night to Poole "'to settle with the Bonaventure when she should come to take us off, "'and at that Ratsy seemed pleased. "'There were many things I wished to learn of him, "'and especially how Grace did, "'but felt a shyness and durst not ask him. "'And he said no more for a minute, "'seeming low-hearted and crouching over the fire.' So we sat, huddled in the corner by the glowing logs, the red light flickering on the cave roof, and showing the lines on Ratsy's face, while the steam rose from his drying clothes. The gale blew as fiercely as ever, but the tide had fallen, and there was not so much spray coming into the cave. Then Ratsy spoke again. "'My heart is very heavy, John, to-night. To think how all the good old times are gone!' and how that Master Block can never again go back to Moonfleet. It was as fine a land as crew as ever stood together, not even excepting Captain Jordan's, and now must all be broken up. For this mess of Maskews has made the place too hot to hold us, and it will be many a long day before another cargo's run on Moonfleet Beach. But how to get the liquor out of Mohune's vault I know not. And that reminds me, I have something in my pouches for Elzevir and thee. And with that he drew forth from either lapel a great wicker-bound flask. He put one to his lips, tilting it and drinking long and deep, 
and then passed it to me with a sigh of satisfaction. Ah, that has a right smack. Here, take it, child, and warm thy heart. Tis the true milk of Ararat, and the last I'll taste this side of the channel. Then I drank too, but lightly, for the good liquor was no stranger to me, though it was only so few months ago that I tasted it for the first time in the why not, and in a minute it tingled in my fingertips. Soon a grateful sense of warmth and comfort stole over me, and our state seemed not so desperate, nor even the night so wild. Ratsy, too, wore a more cheerful air, and the lines in his face were not so deeply marked. The golden, sparkling influence of the flask had loosed his tongue, and he was talking now of what I most wanted to hear. "'Yes, yes, it is a sad break-up, and what will happen to the old why not? I cannot tell. None have passed the threshold since you left. Only the Dutchy men came and sealed the doors, making it felony to force them. And even these lawyer-chaps know not where the right stands. For Maskew never paid a rent, and died before he took possession. And Master Block's term is long expired, and now he is in hiding and an outlaw. But I am sorry as for Maskew's girl, who grows thin and pale as any lily. For when the soldiers brought the body back, the men stood at their doors and cursed the clay, and some of the fishwives spat at it. An old mother of each, who kept house for him, swore he had never paid her a penny of wages, and that she was afeard to stop under the same roof with such an evil corpse. So out she goes from the manor-house, leaving that poor child alone in it with her dead father, and there were not wanting some to say it was all a judgment, and called to mind how Elzevir had been once left alone with his, his dead son at the Why Not. But in the village there was not a man that doubted that twas Block had sent Maskew to his account, nor did I doubt it either. Till a tale got abroad that he was killed by a stray shot fired by the posse from the cliff. And when they took the hue and cry papers to the manor house for his lass, as next of kin, to sign the requisition, she would not set her name to it, saying that Block had never lifted his hand against her father when they met at Moonfleet or on the road, and that she never would believe he was the man to let his anger sleep so long, and then attack an enemy in cold blood. And as for thee, she knew thee for a trusty lad, who would not do such things himself, nor yet stand by whilst others did them. Now what Bratsy said was sweeter than any music in my ears, and I felt myself a better man, as any one must of whom a true woman speaks well, and that I must live uprightly to deserve such praise. Then I resolved that, come what might, I would make my way once more to Moonfeet before we fled from England and see Grace, so that I might tell her all that happened about her father's death, saving only that Elzevir had meant himself to put Maskew away. But it was no use to tell her this when she had said that he could never think to do such a thing. And besides, for all I knew, he never did mean to shoot, but only to frighten him. Though I thus resolved, I said nothing of it to Master Ratsey, but only nodded, and he went on. Well, seeing there was no one save this poor girl to look to putting Maskew underground, I must needs take it in hand myself. Roughing together a sound coffin, and digging as fair a grave for him as could be made for any lord, except that lords have always vaults to sleep in. Then I got Mother Nutting's fish-cart to carry the body down, for there was not a man in Moonfleet would lay hands to the coffin to bear it. And off we started down the street, I leading the wall-eyed pony and the coffin following on the trolley. There was no mourner to see him home except his daughter, and she without a bit of black upon her, for she had no time to get her crepes. And yet she needed none 
having grief writ plain enough upon her face. When we got to the churchyard, a crowd was gathered there, men and women and children, not only from Moonfleet, but from Rigstave and Monkbury. They were not come to mourn, but to make jibes to show how much they hated him, and many of the children had old pots and pans for rough music. Parson Glenny was waiting in the church, and there he waited, for the cart could not pass the gate, and we had no bearers to lift the coffin. Then I looked round to see if there was any that would help to lift, but when I tried to meet a man's eye he looked away, and all I could see was the bitter scowling faces of the women. And all the while the girl stood by the trolley looking on the ground. She had a little kerchief over her head that let the hair fall about her shoulders, and her face was very white, with eyes red and swollen through weeping. But when she knew that all that crowd was there to mock her father, and that there was not a man would raise hand to lift him, she laid her head upon the coffin, hiding her face in her hands, and sobbed bitterly. Ratsy stopped for a moment and drank again deep at the flask, and as for me, I still said nothing, feeling a great lump in my throat, and reflecting how hatred and passion have power to turn men to brutes. "'I'm a rough man,' Ratsy resumed, "'but tender light withal, and when I saw her weep, "'I ran off to the church to tell the parson how it was, "'and beg him to come out and try if we too could lift the coffin. "'So out he came just as he was, with surplice on his back and book in hand. "'But when the men knew what he was come for, "'and looked upon that tall, fair girl bowed down over her father's coffin, "'their hearts were moved. "'And first Tom Tewkesbury stepped out with a sheepish air, and then Garrett, and then four others. So now we had six fine bearers, and twas only women that could still look hard and scowling, and even they said no word, and not a boy beat on his pan. Then Mr. Glennie, seeing he was not wanted for bearer, changed to parson, and strikes up with, I am the resurrection and the life. "'Tis a great text, John, and though I've heard it scores and scores of times, "'it never sounded sweeter than on that day. "'Twas a fine afternoon, and what with there being no wind, "'but the sun bright and the sea still and blue, "'there was a calm on everything that seemed to say, "'Rest in peace, rest in peace.' "'And was not the spring with us, and the whole land preaching of resurrection, "'the birds singing?' "'trees and flowers waking from their winter sleep, "'and cowslips yellow on the very graves. "'Then surely tis a fond thing to push our enmities beyond the grave, "'and perhaps even he was not so bad as we held him, "'but might have tricked himself into thinking "'he did right to hunt down the contraband. "'I know not how it was, but something like this came into my mind, "'and did perhaps to others, for we got him under, "'without a sign or word.' from any that stood there. There was not one sound heard inside the church or out, except Mr. Glenny's reading and my amens, and now and then a sob from the poor child. But when t'was all over, and the coffin safe lowered, up she walks to Tom Tewkesbury, saying, through her tears, I thank you, sir, for your kindness, and holds out her hand. So he took it, looking askew, and afterwards the five other bearers, and then she walked away by herself, and no one moved till she had left the churchyard gate, 
letting her pass out like a queen. "'And so she is a queen,' I said, not being able to keep from speaking, for very pride to hear how she had borne herself, and because she had always shown kindness to me. "'So she is, and fairer than any queen to boot.' End of chapter 12, part 1 Recording by Simon Evers